0: Hey there, welcome to the Anchor Point Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're here with us. We are a group of people in New Tecumseh, Ontario, who are doing our best to follow Jesus in the everyday ordinary stuff of life. Our vision is simple, in Alliston as it is in heaven. So whether you're here checking us out for the first time or are already a member of our church family, we hope and pray that this message, which is rooted and grounded in the scriptures, would encourage you, console you, and build you up. And most of all, would point you to Jesus and the vision he has for his kingdom. Bless you. kids are, Lily's 15, Hannah is 13, Theodore is 9, and Jubilee is 6. And so bedtime is quite an ordeal. Um, it's always been an ordeal. It continues to this day to be an ordeal. They're the highest of highs and the absolute lowest of lows. So you're like, what? what is the depravity of humanity in these situations? Um, it's a mixture of tears. The most off-the-wall philosophical questions you could ever imagine. Some Laughter, <laughs> Hardy Boys books, uh, Where Is My Water Cup Dad, Adventures in Odyssey, two Adventures in Odyssey playing simultaneously in two different rooms. <laughs> this is not a cocktail for everyone, and I completely understand? Um, I joke, it's a precious time, and I love it. And one of the things I've loved recently is reading with our youngest daughter, Jubilee, And so she wants to read one book every night, which is is great. And she's kind of learning how to read it herself, which I think is partially just she's so familiar with the book that she can kind of mimic what we said. But actually, I want to read you guys the book that we read every night. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it is called Stuck by Oliver Jeffers. You ready? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Stuck by Oliver Jeffers. It all began when Floyd got his kite stuck in a tree. He tried pulling and swinging, but it wouldn't come unstuck. The trouble really began when he threw his favorite shoe to knock the kite loose, and that got stuck too. He threw up his other shoe to knock down his favorite shoe, and unbelievably, that got stuck as well. And in order to knock down his other shoe, Floyd fetched Mitch, which if you can't see is a cat. Roll the cat. Cats get stuck in trees all the time, but this was getting ridiculous. So Floyd fetched a ladder. He was going to sort this out once and for all. And up, he threw it. I'm sure you can guess what happened. You're like such a teacher. The ladder was borrowed from a neighbor and would definitely need to be back before anyone noticed and in order to do so, Floyd flung a bucket of paint at it. And wouldn't you know, the bucket of paint got stuck. Then Floyd tried a duck to knock down the bucket of paint, a chair to knock down the duck, his friend's bicycle to knock down the chair, the kitchen sink to knock down his friend's bicycle, their front door to knock down the kitchen sink, the family car to knock down their front door, the milkman to knock down the family car, an orangutan to knock down the milkman, who surely had somewhere else to be. A small boat to knock down the orangutan. A big boat to knock down the small boat. A rhinoceros to knock down the big boat. A long-distance lorry to knock down the rhinoceros. A house, the house across the street to knock down the long-distance lorry. A lighthouse to knock down the house no longer across the street. A curious whale in the wrong place at the wrong time to <laughs> knock down the lighthouse. And they all got stuck. A fire engine was passing and heard all the commotion. The firemen stopped to see if they could help at all. And up they went. First the engine, followed by the firemen, one by one. And there they stayed, stuck between the orangutan and one of the boats. Firemen would definitely be noticed missing, and Floyd knew he'd be in big trouble. Then he had an idea and went to find a saw. He lined it up as best as he could and hurled it up the tree. (laughs) And that was it. There was no more room left in the tree and the kite came unstuck. Floyd was delighted he had forgotten all about his kite and put it to use immediately, enjoying the rest of his day very much. That night, Floyd fell asleep exhausted, though before he did, he could have sworn there was something he was forgetting. That was still stuck. (laughs) Did you ever feel like Floyd? Or um, the kite, for that matter. <laughs> over the few last over the last few weeks of reading this with Juby, it struck me that this is how a lot of us feel. We feel stuck. We're trying this, we're trying that, we're throwing this up there, we're grabbing whatever we can find. And some of this makes no sense at all to get back what we've lost or what's gotten stuck. And in some ways, this is the story of humanity's rebellion. A picture of life without or life cut off from God. And so today, as we continue on in our Come Holy Spirit series, we're going to be looking at the way the Holy Spirit helps to get us unstuck, to help us out of that loop that we can so easily get caught in wasting time and energy and just coming up fruitless in the process. So I'd like to read for you today, Jesus is, um, some of his last words to his disciples at the Last Supper. When he actually talks about the work of the Holy Spirit. So if you guys want to stand, I'm going to read um, from John chapter 15 and 16. And then we'll hop into this discussion together. John chapter 15, verse 26. This is Jesus speaking. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you told you, so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going away to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people did not believe in me about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what He will make known to you. This is God's Word. Thanks be to God. You pray with me. Just take a few seconds, just take a few deep breaths. Come, Holy Spirit. We invite you to come out of your way this morning. Do you make Jesus known to us? Jesus, would you point us to your Father? Lord, we sense this morning your gentleness, your mercy that's Mm -hmm. so readily available. Mm -hmm. And so Lord, we come before you as we are. Mm -hmm. In many ways, we're stuck. Mm -hmm. And Lord, we ask this morning as we think about you, as we ponder you, as we learn about um, what it means to to see your work in our lives, Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, that we would begin to have hope. That, that we begin to see that you, you're you more at work in our lives than we could ever have imagined. Mm-hmm. And Lord, would we leave here um, with a little bit more clarity about what it looks like to, to allow your work in our lives in a greater way. So we love you and we entrust this time to you. We ask, Lord, that you would help my mouth make sense of the words that you've given me mm-hmm. and that they would land in ready hearts this morning. Mm-hmm. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. 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 You guys can have a seat. Uh, we've been working on uh, trying to not read the Bible so flat. And so I'd like us just to think about what it would have been like to be the disciples at night. So Jesus is about to be arrested and eventually crucified. And he's having his last supper with them. And so you have to think about this. like At that time, uh, rabbis and their disciples or their uh, apprentices would have spent like 24-7 together. And so these guys, these normal people, have been spending like 24-7 with Jesus of Nazareth. And so their goals as, as his apprentices were to be with him, to become like him and to do what he did. And so they're wrapped up in this guy. They're all about what he's about. They're seeing him do miraculous things. They're like, and, and some of their thinking is wrong. They're like, hey, Jesus is going to set up this amazing kingdom and maybe I'll get to be in some type of authority office with people under me. And they're they're not quite sure yet what the picture is that Jesus is unfolding. But they've seen incredible things. They've heard incredible teaching They've been included in like, some of this work themselves. Like Jesus is like, hey, I'm sending you out to go cast out some demons. Go pray for some people. Pray for the sick. Go announce the arrival of the kingdom of God. Things are happening. So just imagine being there in that upper room. And then Jesus says this. Guys, I got to go. What? And it's actually better that I go. It's better for me and it's better for you that I go. And it's almost like he's doubling down, because you can imagine, like, wait, what? Like, exactly like Josh just did. Like, Peter, or whoever, Andrew, like, what do you mean, Jesus? You're wrong. He's like, no, listen, it's better for you that I go. I'm not trying just to balance you guys. You guys aren't just annoying me, and I'm like, I'm done. I'm out of here. This isn't, like, one of those situations. It's actually better for you that I go. So that I can send you what our text this morning, the translation in the NIV calls, the Advocate. So I can send you the advocate, or the helper, or the comforter, or the Holy Spirit, or the paraclete, which raises a question for us today. We are, ourselves, trying to do our best to follow Jesus, right? He's our Lord and Savior. He's our rabbi. We're wanting to become his apprentices or his disciples. We want the same goals of being like Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. We should listen in. Why did you send the Holy Spirit, and how does that impact my normal, everyday existence? The question, though, is, like, do we actually trust Jesus? And so I think I've, I've posed this question to us before in the years past. Like, if I were to ask you, would you rather have Jesus, like, right next to you throughout your day, like, walking around with you? Or would you rather have the Holy Spirit inside you? I think a lot of us would say, I'd rather have Jesus walking around beside me, 100%. But Jesus, our rabbi, the one he knows best, is saying, hey, actually, it's better I'd go... The Holy Spirit inside you is actually better than me beside you. That's interesting. So the word here that's translated as advocate is the Greek word parakletos, which means advocate, helper, intercessor, and counselor. And so the disciples would have had some grid for understanding this terminology behind the name that Jesus gives the Holy Spirit. Um, In the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, the Septuagint, and then in some of the Aramaic Bibles, uh, there are references to this phrase in the Old Testament. So Isaiah 40, verse 1, uh, the, the word translated there is something about uh, comfort coming. Um, in the book of Job, uh, uh, Job is frustrated with his friends because they're, being, they're miserable paracletes. They're actually not helping. They're not counseling. They're not uh, advocating on his behalf. And then again in Job, uh, it's about the, the word parakletos or how it's translated. is it's someone who speaks on behalf of someone being accused. Someone who sticks up for someone. And then in the story of Joseph with his brothers, the word is used there for the interpreter. Uh, When Joseph is speaking with his brothers, one who's working to increase understanding between two parties. One who gives counsel in relation to the world is another definition. One who is called in to someone's aid. One who appears on another's behalf. Or one who, I love this one, one one who is called in alongside. And all these things you could say, man, Jesus, you did that stuff. For us. All the disciples could say that. But it's Jesus, it's like Jesus is saying, I know I've done this for you guys, but I'm going to send the paraclete who's gonna be able to do this in a greater capacity than even I could. So don't worry. Don't be afraid. Trust me. I know you're stuck and you will be stuck, but I'm gonna send someone who can help you get unstuck. You will not be alone, Jesus says, because the Holy Spirit will be with you and you and 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 will be not only with you, he will be in you. Mm. The Holy Spirit will be with you and the Holy Spirit will be in you. Talk about intimacy. It's different. Jesus beside or the Holy Spirit inside. There's a greater level of intimacy here. He will be with you and he will be in you. In other words, he's looking at them and saying, hey, listen, you will not be alone in my absence. You will experience an even deeper and newer presence than you've ever felt before. So the answer to the previous question appears to be it's better to have the Holy Spirit inside of us than Jesus beside us. So for us this morning who follow Jesus, just hear this. The Holy Spirit is with you, and he is in you. The paraclete, the helper, the advocate, the one who's called in alongside, the one who is increasing understanding between two parties. He's in you, and he is with you. Cool. But what is he doing? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I want to think about the rest of our time together. So Jesus says this in that first uh, scripture or verse I read today. When the advocate comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. So the work of the Spirit is, uh, he's actually called the Spirit of truth. He's going to lead and guide us into all truth, into the way the world really works, into reality Itself, Or to go back to what we talked about last week, into that very center of all reality, the relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But the process that he's inviting us into and that he's working out in real time for us, and this goes back to our pre-service prayer, you and I as human beings, sin has broken us. We are broken people. We have to come to grips with that. And, and the Holy Spirit's work is to come and make us whole. Yeah. He wants to make us whole. He wants to help us get unstuck. And he does this by leading and guiding us into all the truth. That's what he does. He comes to help us to figure out how to live a life in God's kingdom, how to embody and announce and display the good rule and reign of God right here, right now, like in your everyday existence. This is the Holy Spirit's work. And in order to do so, we need to get unstuck. We need to get out of our wrong thinking and our wrong behaviors and our wrong actions. We need to have our brokenness be made whole. And the good news is that God knows this, and he's doing something about it. Mm-hmm. He's not there, up there, like, you know, when are they going to get it together? Mm-hmm. When are they going to get some super glue and start to piece this shamble of life together? Because I'm done. <laughs> he's like, let me get in the mess with you, and I'm going to make you whole. Because mm-hmm. I'm with you, and I'm in you. And I, it's my delight to point you towards Jesus. Mm-hmm. So the Holy Spirit comes to lead us into all truth, into reality, into the very center of it all. Like we talked about last week, he's inviting us back into the dance. He comes to change us, to transform us, and to make us like Jesus. It's a list for you quickly. The Holy Spirit regenerates us. The Holy Spirit justifies us. The Holy Spirit adopts us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. The Holy Spirit convicts us. The Holy Spirit empowers us. The Holy Spirit befriends us. The Holy Spirit enlivens us. The Holy Spirit equips us for mission and ministry. The Holy Spirit communicates the love of the Father and the Son to us. And the Holy Spirit does this by making much of Jesus. But as we think about, there's all kinds of ways we could go. The Holy Spirit does so much that it isn't even an exhaustive list in and of itself. I just felt like I wanted to focus on two things based on the scripture that we read together today. So I want to I talk about these two things. That he points us to Jesus... And that He convicts us. What do those two things mean? You guys good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna take a sip of water. <clears throat> I love that that new song we sang today about the Holy Spirit. The the one verse that was like, um, "You are not simply a concept or an illusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You are, you are God, living breath of life." I'm butchering the lyrics. Um, That's right you. Oh. <laughs> you, are, you are God, the living breath, that brought me back to life. You are God, the gift of heaven's bridegroom to a bride. Can you, can you go to the other one? You are not simply a concept. You're a person. And you're not a made-up ghost or some illusion. Yeah. And I love the the like the juxtaposition. Like, unbelief and belief. That's yeah. two, two different things there. So, I'm rambling. Where was I going? So, pointing us to Jesus is the first thing I want to talk about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we get stuck Because we get so focused on ourselves And mean let us feel that We've talked about that recently About learning to reorient our lives around God Rather than ourselves And how we can get stuck And just nothing works When we are the center of our universe mm-hmm. And God's inviting us into learning How to reorient everything we're doing And thinking and processing And embodying into a life oriented around himself So the Holy Spirit it's deepest joy. It loves more than anything else to point us to the person of Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit loves to do. You can say that he's obsessed with Jesus in the best and most hopeful and helpful way. He loves to point us to Jesus. And so in the upper room uh, discourse, what we just read from, we see Jesus tell us four things that the paraclete will do over our lifetime as we follow Jesus, as we learn to allow our lives to be around God and not ourselves as, as he helps us to become whole and as he helps us to get unstuck. Mm-hmm. So the first thing we read is that the paraclete reveals Jesus to us, which means this. We aren't left on our own to figure out who Jesus is. This is good news because very often we have the tendency to make Jesus into our own image. Mm-hmm. He likes the people we like. He votes for the people that we vote for. He does not like the people that we don't like. You get the picture? But the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, comes to show us and reveal to us who Jesus actually really is. And this is his delight. This is his very passion. He loves to do this. And this is, uh, this is good news for us. This, he loves to point us and reveal us, reveal, reveal to us the Son, Jesus Christ. Because this, this is true. The Spirit knows and loves Jesus more than any of us ever will. He knows the depths of who he is. He knows and has been with him for all eternity. It's his deepest desire that we experience the same Jesus he experiences. He wants us to grow in our own knowledge and understanding so that we can know and love Jesus the same way that he does, as he really is. This is, we're thinking about being people who are filled with the Spirit, uh, being pickled in the Spirit, as it were. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Someone found that very funny. And was snickering the whole way through. This is one of the surefire signs of the filling of the Spirit, of life in the Spirit, is that same passion and desire lived and expressed in our own lives. I want you to know that Jesus I know.
1: Amen.
0: You think about that, like everything you about your neighbors and being on a mission and all this stuff, like this is a sign that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives when we're passionate about other people encountering the Jesus Christ we find in the scriptures and alive to us today. So a question we can begin to ask the Holy Spirit as we think about developing our relationship, part of relationship is conversation. A question you could ask the Holy Spirit is this Hey, what do you want to show me about Jesus?
1: What
0: do you want to show me about Jesus? And boom, look out. The second thing we read in this chunk of scripture, the the paraclete reminds us what Jesus said. This is good news. Um, This is quite remarkably lived out in the actual writings of the Gospels. So if you think about how the heck did John remember everything Jesus prayed and said in these situations, that's part of this fulfillment is that the Holy Spirit actually reminded and brought back to mind to John as he wrote this out what Jesus actually said. And if you think about the four Gospels or the ability to remember for Matthew, like the, the Sermon on the Mount or the high priestly prayer found in John chapter 17, all of these things are brought back to memory by the Spirit. But for us here today, we're not going to be writing any holy scriptures. Just don't do that. If you're thinking you're going to do that, it's just a bad idea. Um, but for us, the same idea applies. So when we're, when, we're, when we're tempted to retaliate against someone at work who's driving us crazy, who always takes the credit for the work that you do, The Spirit could remind you what Jesus said about turning the other cheek. Huh, right. I don't need to get glory from my boss. I'm seen, I'm accepted, I'm loved by the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Okay, cool. When you're noticing yourself being noticed by others for your important prayers, the Spirit might remind you, Hey man, what's done in the secret place is the most important. Mm. (laughs) Jesus holds the words to eternal life, and the Spirit loves to remind us, hey, guys, remember what Jesus said. So another question you could ask the Holy Spirit, hey, what do I need to remember about what Jesus said? The third thing we see is that the paraclete teaches us. So the Holy Spirit is eternally God. We talked about this last week. Therefore, the Holy Spirit knows stuff, all right? He knows stuff. And so he's been in on the brilliance of the Trinitarian discussion and relationship from before all time. And it is his joy to share with us and unpack to us the mystery of the gospel and the life therein. He loves to teach us about what Jesus is actually talking about in, his, in everything he was doing. He teaches us the Jesus way, the way of the kingdom. He teaches us how to live out the Sermon on the Mount in real time and real space in 2024 in New Tecumseh, Ontario. And the New Testament reveals that Paraclete, um, he helps the apostles by teaching them about the implications of what actually was about to transpire. So remember, they're kind of confused about why does Jesus have to die? And the Holy Spirit helps them understand the implications of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension, as we read on in the New Testament. Think about the Apostle Paul's writings. So not only that, we see, not only that, we see him giving divine wisdom and knowledge about specific situations in people's everyday ordinary lives. Think about the, the book of Acts. And we're we'll going to be talking, talking about this stuff more in a few weeks. So The question you can ask the Holy Spirit to get to know him better is this. Hey, what do I need to know about this situation or this question? Because he actually knows stuff. I remember hearing stories years ago about someone we knew who was a, um, a, like a carpenter, fine, he did fine carpentry, and he'd often get stuck. He couldn't figure out how to join the stairs to the, you know, the new staircase he built and he wanted, it had to be fancy and all this stuff. And he'd pray, Holy Spirit, what do I need to know about this railing? And often he'd get a picture or a vision or something and the Holy Spirit would help him. So that's just an example of that. So, Holy Spirit, what do I need to know about the situation? Fourthly, uh, the Spirit, uh, the Paraclete, brings the future into the present. So, the Holy Spirit opens up the future to us. He brings the not yet into the now. And so, he will, in the process of, of life here on this earth, he will remind us where all of this is heading. He will keep us hopeful that one day there will be a new heavens and a new earth. And that that is the reality we're living towards. He will be present with us in the now and not yet tension of the kingdom of God as we await its fulfillment. He reminds us of the one who is putting all things together again, of the eternal hope that we have in Jesus. The paraclete reveals Jesus to us, reminds us what Jesus said, teaches us the way of Jesus, and brings the future into the present. He does all this in the context of a living and experiential relationship. Remember, the Holy Spirit, the Paraclete, is a person with whom we are invited to cultivate a relationship. He is a who, not a what. And so, one way the enemy works against this reality is to confuse us with a counterfeit voice. If we're trying to learn how to listen to God and hear God speak, and we're asking these questions, like we have to learn how to discern who is God's or what is God's voice and what is the enemy's voice. What does his voice actually sound like? Does anyone else struggle with this reality? This is mm-hmm. something I deeply struggle with. Yes. And so I uh, see a spiritual director. And in my last spiritual direction meeting, we were talking through this very thing where I feel stuck, literally stuck, in this one lie that I cannot get my head around. And I convinced myself that maybe this is actually God saying this thing. Mm-hmm. He's like, dude, let me just tell you, this is not God. This is not God's voice. And so we just work through... And I want to show you guys this thing. I hope this is helpful. Just a few things to kind of outline and kind of use as, as like um, parameters for who, who, who's, what, what God's voice sounds like and what the enemy's voice sounds like. Is, that, is, that, is it cool if I share that with you guys? Okay, just a few things. So let's just compare. I'll, I'll say what Satan's voice or the enemy's voice sounds like and then what God's voice sounds like. So Satan's voice rushes you. God's voice stills you. Satan's voice pushes you. God's voice leads you. Satan's voice frightens you. God's voice reassures you. Satan's voice confuses you. God's voice enlightens you. Satan's voice discourages you. God's voice encourages you. Satan's voice worries you. God's voice obsesses you. Oh, sorry. That's wrong. That's not right. <laughs> <laughs> wrong. Um, what was it? God's voice? Comforts me. Oh, yeah, comforts me. Where was it obsessive? Anyways, I'm so sorry, guys. God's voice never will obsess you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Satan's voice condemns you, and God's voice convicts you. Yeah. Yeah, it must be God's voice comforts you. Man, run. <laughs> I would encourage you just a little practice. What I've been trying to do myself is I've been trying to silence the voice and I go through line by line. That rushes me, pushes me, frightens me, confuses me yeah. down the line. And I welcome the voice that stills me, leads me, reassures me, enlightens me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So as you're going into your day, as you're just, you know, after you read your psalm that morning, just do that. I just encourage you to do that. That's free of charge. Just don't say that God's God's voice obsesses you. That's not true. Okay, moving on. The Holy Spirit um, also, so he loves to point us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit also does the hard work of convicting us, of convicting us. This is not always fun, but it's healthy and good and necessary. John 16, 14, and 15 says this. When he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because we do not believe, because they do not, people do not believe in me, Jesus says. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. So when Jesus tells the disciples here, um, and what we need to know about the Holy Spirit, is that the Spirit comes to convict us. That's good. But what we, I want us to think about it this way. He comes to convince us about the way that things really are. He comes to tell us the truth. Conviction leads us to repentance. It comes. It leads us to rethinking uh, how we in, interact with reality. And it's actually his kindness to reveal it to us, these areas in our thinking, in our living, in our behaving, that are out of line with the kingdom of God. Remember what we talked about last week. We live at the mercy of our ideas, Amen. our mental maps. Our thinking leads to how we experience life here on this earth. And so if the Holy Spirit is committed to us getting unstuck committing to us being whole, he has to do this hard work of convincing us about the way that things really are. You guys tracking? Yes. Yeah. So he's saying, I know this is difficult for you guys, so I'm going to actually send a helper, a comforter, one who's going to come alongside you to help you okay. do this, to help you realize, dude, don't throw the ladder up into the tree. Use the ladder to climb up the tree and pull the kite down. You know what I'm saying? Like that. that's, we need some type of those reminders sometimes. So he's going to show you the the insanity of chucking the ladder up the tree rather than climbing up the tree and grabbing it on the ladder. The cow is reasonable. the cow is reasonable, God says. So um, he's going to convince he's coming to convince us the, of the way that things really are and bringing us bring us out of the loop and back into life. So again to be clear, I want to be clear there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. This goes back to God's voice and the enemy's voice. So here's what the spirit convinces us about the world uh, the way that we, the world we grew up in, the way that we just assume things to work, the way that we think things are, um, and he comes and he reminds us three things. He convinces us three things, of three things. The first thing he convinces us of is that we're wrong about what's wrong. Our ideas about sin are one of the ways that we get stuck, that we get stuck in the tree. We're wrong about sin, Jesus says, because we do not believe in him. Hmm, Interesting. What he's saying is this. The root of all of our sin, our sinful behaviors, our our plural are rooted in a a singular sin, which is unbelief, which is rooted in shame and fear and unworthiness and a lack of trust. But St. Ignatius puts it this way, and I think this is such a helpful way to to reframe um, sin. He says this. Sin is unwillingness to trust that what God wants is our deepest happiness. Mm -hmm. Sin is unwillingness to trust that what God wants is our deepest happiness. So the Holy Spirit comes to convince us of the goodness of God in this. That he actually has what's best in mind for you. He's not just a cosmic killjoy, as many have said. He's saying that what you're doing, dude, what you think is actually okay, is actually not going to lead you to life. It's going to lead you to death. Mm-hmm. So one of the overs the Holy Spirit can get is that he's obsessed with sin. Or moreover, our sinful... Behaviors. He's going around just saying, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't watch that, don't listen to that. But the Holy Spirit's passion is actually life and leading us towards and further into that relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So if there are things that we're doing that are leading us away from life, he will say, hey, stop, don't do that. He's not just around to kind of kill your joy. Remember, the Holy Spirit's joy is to reveal Jesus to us. And it's in this process that we grow to believe that God is actually trustworthy, that He is actually good, that we are made for more than just throwing stuff up the tree. So he comes to convince us we're wrong about what's wrong. The second thing he does is he convinces us we're wrong about what's right. You ever been 100% sure you're right about something? Oh, yeah. Like, maybe some type of trivial, asinine facts only to be proven wrong by your significant other or your neighbor. It's a great feeling. Maybe that's never happened to you, but you know someone who you got to correct. It's great. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, the Holy Spirit, he's working to convince us graciously that in our own strength, we really rarely can discern right from wrong. Remember, this is how we got into this whole mess in the beginning as a human race. You know what? I think I'll decide God moving forward was right and wrong. And so what ends up happening, as this comes to its culmination, we end up crucifying God. We do not know how to think clearly on our own. But even that that served to vindicate and validate what Jesus says at the resurrection. He was who he said he was. Because he rose again from the dead Everything he said is true Full stop That's what Jesus is saying here like, We're wrong about what's wrong We're also wrong about what's right And the Holy Spirit comes to show us this Anyone else enjoying reading a psalm of the day? Yeah Alright, very lackluster but cool that. The Holy Spirit can uh, convict you of that um, I'm just kidding, I was too snide I'm going to read, this is Psalm 19. It's been my favorite psalm so far in our three weeks of reading the Psalms. So thinking about, okay, we're wrong about what's right, and we're wrong about what's wrong. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise and simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. This, the Spirit, the paraclete, will convince us that Jesus' way, his design for life in the kingdom of God is what we're really after. The Holy Spirit comes to comfort us and to console us and to teach us and to reveal and to empower us to live like Jesus lived. Whispering along the way, and hey, you can. You can do this. You can do this. Can do this because I'm with you, and I am in you, and I'm committed to you, and I will never leave you or forsake you. final thing he comes to convince us of is that we're wrong about who won. Finally, the Spirit comes to convince us about who really won, Jesus says. So often in our lives, I don't know about you, but I exist in a state of defeat, this can be perceived or it can be real in some cases. And the enemy, what he loves to do is to rub that in our face. And he may even be doing that right now as you're sitting here listening to this. Maybe saying things like this. You don't look very much like a winner to me. <laughs> you did not win last night, did you? Or Friday night. But what the Spirit loves, what the Spirit loves to do is to convince us of the victory of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Over sin, over Satan, over death, over hell. And that we're wrong about judgment because the one who is condemned is not you and I, but in fact it is sin, Satan, and death who stand condemned. Come on. That's who's defeated. So by the grace of God... By the goodness and mercy of God, what he does is he takes all of our sin and rebellion and shame into himself on the cross. He does this to redeem you and to rescue you and to help you get unstuck. And so we're later, on, later on in this whole process, we read in John's gospel, he's on the cross, and what does he say? He says, it is finished. It is finished. I win. You lose Satan. Our battle, our condemnation, our sin, our shame was all dethroned in that exchange. He died so that you could live. He was condemned only to to be raised again three days later victorious. And the good news is that he brought you and I with him. Mm. Colossians 2.15 says this. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Mm. So we stand righteous in the grace of Jesus Christ. Which means this. When he died, we died. And when he rose, we rose. And when he ascended, we ascended with him. He won. He won. It is finished. Oh my this is what the Spirit loves to tell us. We were wrong about who won. Yeah. Jesus won. Thank you, Lord.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. And this is the, the good news. The Spirit loves to remind us of this in every area in our lives where we feel stuck. Mm-hmm. That Jesus is the one who won. Mm-hmm. That there's not an area, an aspect, a nook, or a cranny of your broken life that he cannot rush into. And heal and restore and redeem and get unstuck. There's nothing too broken that he cannot put back together because Jesus won. And what he wants to do is, in his good work, is to apply over time that victory to those very places, to those thought patterns, to those behaviors, to those actions, to those traumas, to those wounds. The victory of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, in closing, is about freedom. He's about getting you unstuck. And he does this beautifully by continually and joyously pointing us to Jesus, the Son, the victorious King of kings and Lord of lords, who in turn points us to his Father, his Abba, whose arms are open, who has a ring and a robe waiting for you as soon as you return. As soon as you begin to turn, he's running towards you. This is the relationship we're welcomed into. And so his work, the Holy Spirit's work, is to continually convince us that we can actually trust this God. That he can actually get you unstuck. That he can actually heal you and redeem you and restore you. That we can actually discover life and real life here and now. That's right. And that we can surrender to this God. That that's actually the best thing for you. If you're struggling with control and trying to make something happen in your life Maybe today the invitation is just to surrender. This is what Jesus and the power of the Spirit knew and lived out completely and fully. And this is what the Spirit longs to make us understand and see and experience. He wants us to make people like Jesus, human beings who can trust in the goodness of God. And that it is here and only here that we will actually be unstuck. So do you feel stuck today? Oh, yeah. Are there areas in your life that are just overwhelming you? Do you feel embarrassed by the things that you chucked up the tree? There's no shame. There is no condemnation. If you were to look at all of our trees, there's some weird stuff up there. Oh
1: yeah, so weird.
0: But I'm convinced this morning, my friends, that the Spirit wants to help you. He wants to help you get unstuck. So I was going to invite the worship team to come back up. And I just wanted to share a picture that I had as I was praying for us this week, um, and it I, I came in like various stages. But um, anyone else have anxiety about traveling? So that you're at the, you're, you're going through customs, and you're checking the whole way to the airport about, do I have my passport? Do I have my passport? Anyone else have that? Yeah. Every day. Every day. <laughs> <Just another> day. <laughs> You still, so that, that idea of like, am I gonna be, do I have the right identity? Do I have what it takes to get into this country? Am I gonna all of a sudden be like, do I have drugs in my bag I didn't know about? <laughs> um, do I look suspicious? Like, you know, like all these thoughts are rattling around in your head. You're stressed, you know? But weirdly, like, there's something about that, like six feet between the end of the customs line and the first customs agent thing where all these crazy thoughts <laughs> Satan loves to hang out there, I guess. I don't know. But um, <laughs> but this, this, this picture kept going back to my mind about this person asking, like, do I have the right passport? Do I have the right passport? Do I have the right passport? And I think what, what the Spirit wants to do for you this morning, maybe you feel unsure of your identity. Like, am I actually, do I have, am I, am I actually included in what Tom was talking about? Like, did he take my sin and my shame and, and my rebellion? I do I have the right passport? Like, what do I need to get in? Am I going to be rejected at the door? And if that's you this morning, I just sense that the Spirit wants to reassure you and solidify your new identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. Come on. That you actually are in Christ. That He everything you needed to get into, whatever you're thinking about getting into, he did for you completely and fully, mm-hmm. Perfectly. And maybe this, it means that you don't actually know Jesus yet. You actually aren't really a citizen of heaven yet. And God wants to give you a passport. He wants to give you citizen, citizenship today as you receive him as your Lord and Savior. This is true. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You are a child of God. Amen. The second part of that picture I saw was uh, at the baggage check security thing. You had to run your bag through. I have the same anxiety. Just, I'm probably packed my bag wrong. What is in there? What did Juby put in there? (laughs) Like, you know, all these thoughts going through my mind. Um, And I hate when you go through, because every airport I've found lately is like different. Some people are like, basically, they want you in your underwear to go through. Other people are like, what do you mean? You're fine. And then, so I'm always confused. I'm like, do I take my belt off and my shoes off and all this stuff? Anyone else? (laughs) I'm looking for solidarity here, guys. uh, Every day. (laughs) So, uh, I just, I kept getting this picture where this person kept trying to go through the thing and it was like, beep, beep, beep. And they have to go back out and then they're like, oh, I have my keys in here still. And I have like, oh, I have a hip replacement I forgot about like, all these things. Um, and so what happened was they, they, had to, they had to keep taking things out and they weren't allowed to bring in all these things that they thought they needed. And so what I felt like God was saying is like bit by bit. And, and things um, started off with some big stuff. And then went down to smaller and smaller, incrementally smaller things. Um, all these are things like there's—and um, I think what God was saying is that for some of us here this morning, where he wants to take us, there are things that we do not need to bring, that we actually can't bring, them, they're not actually needed here or necessary. And some of these things were ideas about God. Some of these things were experiences that they've had with even the Holy Spirit specifically that were maybe manipulative or wrong, or someone said it was the Holy Spirit, but it wasn't really the Holy Spirit— um, traumas, uh, weapons uh, that you want to use to kind of protect yourself—all these things that I just sensed the Holy Spirit was saying, "Hey, where we're we going, you don't need these things. You don't need these things." And so the the, the alert wasn't to shame you; it was just to convince you, "Hey, where we're we going, you can't bring that stuff, and you don't need that. You don't need these where you're going." And so this was a picture for me of of this process of us becoming trusting of the good work of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That there are things that we're carrying, there's baggage, there's stuff that we do not need to bring into what God is calling us into. And it's his pleasure to convince us that that's true. So if either of those resonate with you, I'd love to pray with you after the service. I would love to see God continue to set us free. So let's just stand up now. Thank you guys for listening. a simple prayer, and then we'll end with a time of singing together. Come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you here. We thank you um, for your good work in our lives. Lord, we acknowledge we're stuck, and we ask you to get us unstuck this morning. Lord, I ask for boldness. If there's people in the room that either of those pictures uh, stuck out to, like needing to have their identity reassured or... Um, letting go of things that they don't need to bring into this next phase of life with you. So, come Holy Spirit, do your good work. We trust you. We pray this in your name.